This episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings by, by Julian Dion. Yeah, that's right. My two comedy albums, Too Soon and Beginnings, now available for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. jdcomedy.ca. It's Tuesday, September 12th, and you're listening to a brand new episode of the Julian Dion Comedy Hour podcast. That's right. On today's episode, Wakefield Sessions continues with my guest... Local celeb, he does it all. He's a host, a producer, he's a didgeridoo aficionado. You know him, you love him. You might actually, for listeners, you might recognize him from early episodes as Baby Jeffrey. That's right, Jeffrey Ferguson is my guest, and it all starts now. Monday to Friday, focus on Wakefield, to introduce Wakefield to the world. Wakefield is that kind of place. Waste of time. Shit, come on. Coming at you from Lemon Press Studios in the Gatineau Hills. Hi, hi, My guest today, Jeffrey Ferguson, the affable and lovable Jeffrey Ferguson, the hilarious engaging Jeffrey Ferguson, the didgeridoo master. Jeffrey Ferguson is my guest. Also sweet. You'll recognize him from early episodes. Baby Jeffrey, we did some prank calls and got to a bit of trouble. We talked about that. In the interview in the podcast, which we will get to in a bit. But before that, how are you? Fuck, that's annoying. Are you good? I'm glad. September 12th. Jeffrey's, by the way, Lindsay's brother. Lindsay Ferguson, who was yesterday's episode, Monday, September 11th. And I forgot to mention, Lindsay. Lindsay Ferguson will be playing at the Black Sheep Inn this Sunday. Uh, September 17th. Let me check the time on that. I should pull it up. I was going to mention it in her episodes, or episode, singular, and like a dum-dum. Forgot. Dum-dum-dum. All right. I forgot to say that she's performing at the Black Sheep on Sunday, September 17th at 4.20 p.m. Yeah, that's 4.20. Smoke it up. Smoke it. Also, hi, because you smoke, because it's 420, and you're going to go watch Lindsay, Lindsay Ferguson at the Black Sheep Inn, Sunday, September 17th, go check that out, alright, 
Oh, I'm feeling uh, good today. I'm feeling uh, this is fun. Everything is great. It's, uh, why is it that I, as I continue, it just it's it's sounding more sarcastic? Yeah, I'm good. Everything's just fucking dandy. No, it is. Things are great. I've been going for swims every morning. And uh, the water's getting chilly, but what a way to start a day, gang. All right. Sorry about all of this. I'm going to start over. What if I started over the whole song, everything? Hey, 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 no. We don't want to do that. We're just going to keep trucking along. Email pod at jdcomedyhour.com. Oh, fuck. What's that? Why is that playing? See, I wasn't kidding when I said uh, I was starting over. Why am I all over the Mizap? That's that's the way Snoop would say map. By the way, I'm such a pussy. I think I'm too... I love the idea of uh, living in the country, but I can't... I don't do well with rodents or insects. I, I, I don't. I just don't. I don't like it. I'll see like a spider and I'll just ignore it. I'll just, uh, that'll, it'll make its way into the uh, ether, somewhere into the void. I hope to never see that again. I just ignore things. I used to do that. This is a trick, actually, I used to do. I'll see one. I'll see like an insect, like a, I used to do this in New York. I used to live with, and it's weird because I'm the one that's supposed to deal with this stuff, I guess. Suppose was in uh, air quotes there. New York, unless, unless you live in a brand, brand new building, you can just expect to have roaches. And so it would sometimes they'd be like in the cutlery drawer and stuff. So you'd open it and the, the light would make them scurry and they would leave. So I would I would open the, the cutlery drawer and then take a lap in the kitchen. Just like give them time to do their thing. I wouldn't look down. I just walked by a grown man, by the way, doing this. I'd walk by, sw- swing open the drawer Schling, take a lap in the kitchen, come back, no cockroaches. So in my mind, if they didn't exist, they didn't exist in my mind at that point. Or if I saw if I saw a dead one, a dead thing, I would leave it, ignore it, mentally prepare myself until someone brought it up and then take care of it. Swoop in like a hero. But at that point, I you know, at that point I'm uh, two days into mental exercises. Um uh, you know. I'm preparing myself day in, day out. Then I hear, ah! I come running in. Got this. Is it a roach? I'm in. I'm on it. I already know what it looks like. I know the dimensions. So I'm like that now in the country. We have, we got, we get dock spiders here. And I don't, I don't do, I don't deal with things well. By the way, I'm just realizing how... Are you hearing those drops that are happening in the back by accident? I have these clips that are prematurely playing. A professional would start over, but 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 uh, I just don't. I can't. And the song too. During the opening part, the song was was lower, but I think I fucked up something. I didn't push something, and it's really loud. Anyways, Jeffrey, I'm sorry. I'm butchering your episode. What am I doing? Welcome to Amateur Hour. If you didn't notice, then forget everything I just said. And I'm just going to get back to my story about how soft I am. Our cat Georgie was freaking out around the ottoman. And I thought there was a, like a toy underneath. So I 
I can't remember if I told the story in the podcast. If I did, forgive me. I'll just give you the quick, quick thing. He's like freaking out trying to get under the ottoman. So I'm like, oh, um, you know, there's probably a toy there or something. So I'm going to be the hero and lift the thing triumphantly. And I lift it and there was a dead mouse underneath and I lost my mind. Freaked out. In fact, my this is when my parents were visiting. And a grown man, I went, dad, there's a mouse under the ottoman. A grown and my father actually my 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 dad was doing something so my mom came and and with a paper towel grabbed it by the tail and threw the mouse out in the in the woods. I gotta figure it out because they're not around all the time. They're still alive. I mean, they're just not here. They live in New Brunswick. And uh, what am I gonna do? I have to just man up and and ah. Anyway, the house is for sale now. Uh, we're moving to a bubble high up in a skyscraper in a city. No, that's a nightmare. Okay, let me, uh, I'm talked out. You know when you just talk, talk, talk. I do two, sometimes three interviews a day, and they're hour, hour and a half, two hours, some of them, and it's talking, and then talking, then I do another one, I talk, then I do this monologue, I talk, and I'm just like over it. So I'm just going to get right into it, even though I've been talking for this long. This was a fun interview, really fun, and I uh, got to know Jeffrey even more. I've known him well over the last few years, seven or eight years, and uh, he's an interesting cat. He's always he's a kind of, kind of guy that knows a little bit about everything, you know, and a lot about certain things, and it makes for good conversation and great radio. So enjoy my now my chat with the one, the only, Jeffrey Ferguson. You and me belong. Just like the flowers, laughing all day long. People, I need to loose. Sing a little song, then take a shower. Julian Dion, comedy And yes, once again, this episode is brought to you by Too Soon and Beginnings, my two personal comedy albums. Yeah, that's right. My two live comedy albums that I've worked very hard to put out there are available now for digital download at jdcomedy.ca. Yeah, I know you're curious. You hear me on here talking and interviewing, and you must wonder what, you know, what it's like. I do comedy for a living. Maybe you've been to a show. You want to capture that again. You want a, want a little souvenir. Well, go to jdcomedy.ca and download Too Soon and Beginnings. jdcomedy.ca. What's that? What's that? You want a little taste? Sure, I'll get... Oh, I'll wet your beak. Here's too soon. My da- my dad actually killed a rooster once by its legs uh, against a um, barn wall. That happened. <laughs> that was a real thing. I ran over a raccoon and I cried myself to sleep for a week. <laughs> a week. <laughs> Here's beginnings. This is weird. I just looked at Reject and he went like this. <laughs> Which usually means fucking, right? <laughs> usually it's like, oh, CPR, I got it, okay. You're not gonna come up here and have your way with me in front of my, <laughs> my passed out, you're like, yeah, all right, here you go, all right. What am I even talking about in those clips? Well, only one way to find out. Download Too Soon in Beginnings at jdcomedy.ca. That's jdcomedy.ca. Do it today. Really? What happens if I was born with my right on my left and my left on my right? <laughs> what, what could happen at that point? Then uh, the, flip, the, the breaker would flip again. Flip it up, switch it, it, check, one, two. 
Check three, four. Check five, six. Bring it on to seven and eight, and hey, everything is great. Yes, it is. We're going to go niner, tenner. And eleven and twelve. And don't forget, lucky thirteen. Check, check, check. Check, check. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> uh, well, that's a good sound check. Well, let's just get into it. Fuck it. Just like straight up, straight up, flip it one that time into it. Yeah, let's do it. And this that. Is, <coughs> this is great. Me. Can you do the sneaker sound? <laughs> Those are not actual sneakers, believe it or not. <laughs> That is my guest today, and I'm excited to interview this guy. We go way back, and uh, yes, you know him. You love him. Wakefield Sessions continues today with the one, the only, the affable Jeffrey Ferguson. Hi there, uh, sound wave world. A.K.A. Baby Jeffrey. That's me. What's going on, guys? It's really, no, seriously, I don't know, I don't know what you guys are doing, but no, this, is, this is a really good uh, setting. I really like this setting for this interview. Hey, thanks for having me over here, Julian. It's, it's my, I wish I could do a baby voice. Um, uh, uh, you'll know Jeffrey and baby Jeffrey voice from uh, uh, the early episodes of the Julian Down Comedy Hour podcast. In fact, it got us into trouble in episode one. <laughs> yes, we it got, did. <laughs> yeah. We were pranking, so those, those who haven't heard the episode, first of all, go back and listen to it, but the premise is we were pranking people and using the baby Jeffrey voice, which yeah. basically, as you know now, sounds exactly like a baby with perfect vernacular. Yeah, it really does. I mean, I'm not a I'm not a 300 pound guy at all. When you when you hear this voice. <laughs> and so we called uh, we were calling random. Oh no, we could not not random. We called a buddy of mine, Adam Fox, also yeah. a guest on the podcast yeah. at one point and um, he's a singer-songwriter, musician, punk rocker. So I thought oh, he's he's going to be a good sport. <laughs> not thinking that by day he's uh, he's like uh, he he's like a lunch lady at uh, at a Montessori and in yeah. uh, Toronto where he sees like you know all day it's four to six year olds screaming yelling his name and he had to get her a criminal record check in order yeah, to he, do that exactly he got a criminal record check it was a whole like thing and and uh, so he takes it very seriously mm-hmm. and on top of that it was the first week of school when we called him so it was like full he was in full caretaker mode not you know punk rocker Adam so we call him with that voice he answers the phone and right away he he's like his his like spidey senses go up. He's like, oh, the, he, a child is in need. And because, so, because we call and we say, well, Jeffrey says that he's alone at home and he doesn't know where his mommy or his daddy are. Uh, I'm three. Yeah. I don't know where my mommy and daddy are. So he starts to uh, ask questions seriously, and I'm like waving Jeffrey, like, what, like, just like give a sign that this is some sort of joke. And then he goes, do you need help? And uh, Jeffrey's like, yeah. I need help. And then he keeps going. <laughs> and so he puts his wife on the phone. Yeah. And then his wife, Michelle, comes on the phone and she's like, Jeffrey, are you okay? Where's your mommy and daddy? And keeps going like, a, I don't know where they are. I'm all alone at home. <laughs> and then you hear Adam in the background go, I'm going to call the cops. And then they hang up. <laughs> they hang up. Yeah. So I panic. I try calling Adam. No answer. I text him. I go, don't call the cops. It's me. It was a prank. <laughs> And I just get a message back going, too, too late. late. 
<laughs> I I'm remember like, oh, it. Oh shit. <laughs> Try calling uh, him again. There's no answer. Uh, and then Jeffrey and I continue uh, whatever. And I'm like, okay, maybe, 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 I don't know. Maybe, I don't know what's, uh, what's going to happen. Then I see the number pop up on my computer screen, this number over and over, this 416 yeah. number. And I'm scared to answer. I don't know who it is or whatever. <laughs> and then I Google search the number and it comes up <laughs> Toronto Police Service. Metropolitan yeah. Toronto Police Service. I'm like, oh, fuck. <laughs> And then I called back and uh, oh, had boy. to admit, and we recorded that yeah, call. That's we what we recorded played. it. It's pretty awesome. That's what we played in that episode one. Yeah, we, uh, <clears throat> we go and uh, I call back and explain that it was a prank, and she just reamed me like a new yeah. one. She's like, "Do you have any idea how many resources are looking for a child right now <laughs> alone in a condo building in Toronto?" <laughs> they, they had the entire uh, phone core, I think, yeah, uh, yeah. On, like trying to search for yeah. what this person was. <laughs> anyway, oh, so now shoot. you're here in a different capacity. We're going to just uh, get yes. to know you. Uh, for those just tuning in for the first time, Wakefield Sessions is my way of, obviously, Wakefield is where, I've, uh, where I live now. I've talked about it so many times before. So this little project, uh, five episodes a week for four weeks, uh, interviewing locals. And uh, it's just a way to introduce Wakefield to the world. And for local people that might know you, Jeffrey Ferguson. Hi there, everybody. They might now really know you after this. They'll go, oh, shit, that's Oh, him. my God. <laughs> <laughs> That's the guy that I was friendly to. Yeah. I, I, I better stop doing that. And fre- fresh off a hot performance at the Black Sheep Inn for mm-hmm. uh, Greg Stone's uh, birthday bash. Yeah, it was fantastic. Saturday night at uh, yeah at the Sheep, he played the didgeridoo. Yeah, I brought my didge out. It's called the Beast. He's called the Beast. It- I bought it. Uh, gosh, I think I bought it in about two thousand and five, uh, and maybe the start of two thousand and five from this guy John Groves down in. Uh, in the states, there um, shipped it up here. It cost like fifty bucks, and at the door, they they wanted uh, two hundred and eighty dollars for the uh, bro- brokerage and taxes. Shut up, no way. <laughs> yeah, so I was like, luckily I had that in my wallet. I don't know, I don't know how, but anyway, I guess I'd gone to the bank, and uh, yeah, so I paid that. But yeah, then I've had that ever since. Uh, played it for about twelve years, I guess. How does one get into the didgeridoo? How do you? First of all, I don't even know how to do it. Do that voice thing you're doing again. Like the thing. It's crazy. <laughs> I've just been fooling around with tube and throat singing. Yeah, and, yeah, and, and just that, randomly. But you don't have to do that. In the, no. that's just another technique to kind that, of amplify it. Well, yeah, what I've been doing is. I've been, you know, fooling around with that, and then I, I was fooling around with uh, throwing that through the ditch as well at the same time, and it's basically a very similar kind of resonance pattern to the what you do with your your formed lips and vocalizations and stuff like that. So, like, basically, it's it's almost too much, right? Um, I, I'm gonna definitely integrate it in, but it's almost too much for things to handle. And last night at the very end of the song that I play with Greg, um, "Touch the Sun." Um, we are uh, touch the sun or touch of sun, something like that. I think it's touch the sun. But anyway, um, right at the very end, I, I threw that Tuvan throat singing through the ditch, and it actually blew the breaker. <laughs> it blew the, the so, so it just like basically right at the end, I abruptly stopped playing. <laughs> <laughs> just the mics are the whole power of the whole place. For now. I think it shut down the front mic uh, core. All right. So uh, Ken Stone, the sound guy, had to go and you know lie in his back and go under and, and flip it back on and the, on the core, like right at the front of the stage there. 
So that was. Uh, but yeah, I, how, how do you how do you discover a, a passion for the didgeridoo? Is it something you see on TV, or do you go to someone's house and there's one lying around? And you try it and you go, shit, I gotta get my own. Or it was probably about '96, '97. Um, a buddy of mine, Sean Fritz, went over to Australia, and he was uh, taking a. Uh, before he went there, he took a soundboard engineering course at Conestoga College there, up in uh, near Hamilton or someplace, and. Uh, he uh, went over to Australia to cut his teeth, and in so doing, he went to the ended up in the Red Center, Alice Springs, and he met this guy by the name of Gary Cannell. And if you look up Gary Cannell, C A N N E L L, he is uh, wiz- like a, a didgeridoo wizard. Like when I met him, he was 28. He'd been playing didge since he was six, and uh, he learned like basically from the Aboriginals that live in like a dried up riverbed up there, and. Uh, he was just killer like he could do humpback whales you can look him up and find him like he's he's just unbelievable so he ended up coming over with fritz when uh they when he came back to canada i was going to get him to play at the black sheep inn in, in its early you know form um i talked to paul Symes way back then like the first time i met him and we were all set up to do it and then uh, they went on a walkabout and uh you know two weeks later they came back and uh you know it didn't happen so anyway you know but uh any, anyway so but anyway in in the process of that they just they just went on a, like a binging drinking walkabout oh, and just forgot about everything for like two weeks they just disappeared <laughs> him and the, another guy tim and uh anyway so uh yeah i played his digits the first time i ever put my mouth to it and played it i could make the sound right off the bat so that then you know like uh, almost a decade later i decided to go ahead and buy my my own and, uh, had that, you, had you tried or dabbled beast. since, or you just knew you loved it since the first time ten years ago? Yeah, I just knew that I loved it and I wanted to try it, and, and eventually I, you know, had enough money lying around, and I, uh, I splurged and I bought a Jalu Guru Wiwi um, Dij. If you go to Jalu.com, that's his uh, site. It's D J A L U.com. Um, he's an old Aboriginal fella that uh, makes didgeridoos. His whole family does it, and uh, mine's actually one that he made. Um, so it's basically you're playing a piece of art, really. Right. And, and it's w- any type of wood? What kind of wood? Um, the wood uh, that mine is is uh, stringy bark eucalyptus. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And and it is a, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, an Australian Aboriginal thing? That's where it yeah. would... It's, uh, the Aboriginals basically just go around and knock on trees to find the ones that are hollow. And uh, it's uh, termites actually hollow out the core wood. And you just go in and basically just pump, pump, like take a you know a broom handle or something and pound out all the rest. Yeah. And then they take a spoon rasp and just go up and basically pull out all the loose wood and make it kind of e- equal uh, you know thickness all the way through. Um, luckily, <clears throat> a lot of the eucalyptus uh, and you know blood oak and uh, or a desert oak and bloodwood and stuff like that have like a really dense wood so like their sap wood which is the uh, the the stuff that basically um brings the liquid up to the leaves and stuff it's on the outside is really dense so they can you can use it as uh, as an instrument like that and what was it used for was it like ritualistic or something uh what was the I, purpose yeah i like uh you know it's it's the instruments being played it's been played for about twenty five thousand years yeah like the, it's one of the oldest instruments that exists and yeah they just basically used to sit there and watch kangaroos hopping and make like a kangaroo hopping sound and like they do sounds of the birds and and fauna and flora that uh basically uh you know happens around australia so it's it's 
and it became definitely a tradition. But mm-hmm. like where it started was probably just some guy like just, <laughs> just entertaining fooling around. Yeah, yeah and, and all of a sudden there it is, and it spreads like wildfire. And uh, yeah, it's huge now. It's all over Asia. They use bamboo and all sorts of yeah. stuff. Like I have one here that I brought that I made when I was out in uh, Newfoundland. Uh, um, between the 4th and 18th of August and uh, it's a two two inch uh, PVC pipe and uh, with like a mouth attachment that's basically brings it down to about a, a um, an inch um, all glued together with the you know the plumbing glue there that you get with the little ball of yeah the cotton ball yeah, thing yeah, the on cotton the little ball, wire yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> exactly because you need a seal you got to have a good seal right um, <clears throat> or it doesn't work. Like I've had my wax piece lo- loose on my ditch and I was like, what the heck is wrong with my ditch? And then I, boom, I pulled the wax piece off and it just wasn't allowing a seal. So it does, it just, you're like, man, my ditch is broken, but it, that's all it is. And you yeah. just take a lighter, light it back up, clean off the salts and stuff that happened and, uh, stick it back on and boom, you're, <clears throat> you got a ditch back. Is it like, basically. uh, cause it's, cause there aren't a lot of did redo players right yeah there's not not a whole lot that's for sure especially around these parts around yeah. wakefield devora sugarman is uh she's a dish yeah. player yeah she's pretty awesome too we've played together at the at the cafe is it one of those things because sometimes what happens with more niche things like that there's like this whole subculture because the, yeah. the people that are into it are really really fucking, fucking yeah. into it is that is that kind of sort of the thing yeah, they're definitely, I mean, you get, it's almost like an addiction. Another good player I forgot to mention, actually, Jay Thompson. He's, he yeah. is, he's fantastic. Uh, he, he's played at the, at the Australian Embassy here in Ottawa. Oh, yeah. He's got an Alporn that you can actually take off the first segment and put a Didge mouthpiece, and I played it over at his place. Oh, yeah. Unbelievable. Like an Alporn is about a $4,000 uh, piece of instrument that's an uh, instrument that's basically created by hand, and it's just a beautiful thing, and like playing did through it was epic oh yeah epic yeah and what um do you do bands or musicians approach you to because it's a, such a unique sound and people <clears throat> might like probably want that as, as yeah i have a couple tracks or yeah i definitely have had uh, i mean greg stone was the the first one and uh, and i went and played with him on on his first album um, and uh, <clears throat> it's pretty cool because Greg's actually Australian. Yeah. And you you did a podcast with him too. Yeah. So yeah, he's he's a really cool dude. And uh, um, it was uh, it was pr- it was definitely a um, it was an honor to uh, play on an on an Australian guy's album as a Canadian Didge player. So yeah, that's cool. It's kind of pretty cool there. And you say that Jay is a really amazing didgeridoo player. What yeah. makes a good Didge guy? Well, he's he is uh, just. Uh, He's been playing for a long time. Um, Is it like the range? Dedicated to it. Yeah, like it's, he does a really kind of traditional uh, playing, like a a style. Um, And uh, it it really comes out nicely. Like he's just, I've, you know, played with him as well. And it was uh, really fun over at a party. We had basically a rap party over at Deborah and his house um, for uh, Into the Woods. Mm -hmm. I, I produced Into the Woods. And, uh, um, yeah, so that's where I was playing. I played, he played, and I played at the same time. I was playing like with his uh, Alporn. He was playing with one of his regular digits, and uh, it was pretty, pretty awesome. I think he did. It's just you know, just like anything, practice makes perfect, and it's exactly like that with didgeridoo too. You just if you play, your left side of your brain, your creative side, just right. starts to take over. It's like you know, I, I, when I taught myself juggling way back in the day. Um, you know, you, you first start out, you're juggling, and then all of a sudden you start doing tricks and stuff. So you're, it's when your creative side, uh, when you're, you know, your 
proper side, your, yeah. um, I don't know, analytical side or whatever it is, uh, is kind of bored, your creative side kind of starts to yeah, take over yeah. and boom, there you go, you know? And how, how often uh, do you do it all the time? You practice all the time? Um, I, yeah, I, like I'll pick it up uh, daily and just, just play for a bit and, mm -hmm. you know, just see where I go. Do your roommates care? No, he's yeah. it, you know Charles uh, is uh, he he sit there and plays his piano. Last yesterday, actually, when I was practicing for last night's gig, um, I started uh, we, him and I were he was playing piano, I was playing didge. Sick. And we're thinking about going up and uh, doing a piano didge kind of combo, which yeah, is yeah. kind of totally odd and weird, but cool at the same time. For sure. So we'll see what happens with that's, that. That's that's what I like about Wakefield, and we're gonna get yeah. to. Um, a little more about you and on that side because yeah. um, you're such a an important uh, part of this community and everybody knows you and and so I want to get to know you but that's what I like about Wakefield is you mm -hmm. can go up with anything original or like a yep. piano dig combo up and people will just eat it up and yeah. love it and appreciate it for totally. what it is and how cool it is and yeah. you know no one's gonna be like okay what the hell is that? everything is sort of embraced mm -hmm. if it's something original and authentic it's uh, it just it flies here yeah it does. and it's it's such a small, like it's a small community and it's so artistically supportive in that way. Yeah, it's, it is it's really. It's weird how that happens. Mm -hmm. So let's get to know you a little bit more. So you're from Belleville originally? Yeah, I, well, I lived in Belleville from uh, 79 to uh, basically 90 when I went to University of Guelph. Um, but prior to that, I was actually born in Bermuda. Oh, is that right? Yeah, no I lived, lived in Bermuda from 1970 when I was born to 79. No way. And then my dad was... Uh, the uh, and news anchorman for ZBM TV down there. Right. So uh, he before he went down there in the '60s, he was working for Quinny Broadcasting, just as a DJ, and he did news and stuff like that. So he uh, they had an opening for him to uh, become the news director of Quinny Broadcasting, which is a bunch of radio stations around. Um, he centralized himself at a radio station called uh, CJBQ, which then eventually, when FM became more popularized. Um, it was a 97.1 FM, Mix 97. Um, and then he retired, uh, gosh, I think he retired about something like 10 years ago, somewhere in there. Um, but he still does some volunteer stuff. But yeah, so that was, uh, that was Bermuda. Um, and then we, that's why we came back, to, we went to Belleville um, after that. And yeah, Belleville's a pretty cool little town. Yeah. I enjoyed it. Do you remember Bermuda a lot? Yeah, I, I remember yeah. a lot of uh, things. Like I used to go down and fish after school every day. Like, and I'd because you were nine when you moved. Yeah, from nine. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So I and this is like in a more innocent time. Like yeah. I was a kid going by myself down to the dock, Boss's Cove, where they fix boats and all that. And I'd be fishing like I, all weekend. I'd go down. Like as soon as I wake up, I'd go down and fish all day. <laughs> okay. And like you'd go in, and I, I'd, my grandmother gave me a butterfly net way back in the day when I was living there, and I used to basically cover it with sand and put a piece of bait right in the middle and then a crab would come up and catch it then i'd net the crab and bring it home <laughs> and my mom would cook it no way yeah yeah so, beats, uh, lots beats of the cool ipad stuff yeah no, totally you know kids yeah. now it's just all yeah. ipad all day i know i know it, it's crazy there's, there's there's gonna be a lot of brain conditions that happen out of that i'm sure yeah but uh yeah basically uh i i loved going in the ocean swimming in the ocean uh letting the uh, you know take you and uh it's it's a different situation altogether really mm. yeah being at one with uh with nature and the ocean which a lot of people just don't understand you're from out east too so yeah. you're from ocean area I've, too it's i love it 
It's yeah, it's amazing. different. You can't explain it. No, you can't. The air, even the air. You, you've yeah, you smell it. Wherever you go and there's ocean, you always, it always brings you back to the air, the smell of that air. Like, yeah. I go down to Florida or whatever to visit my uncle back in the day, and uh, you'd get off in Fort Lauderdale. You'd get out of the plane, you're like, oh, that smell. You're that like, smell. you're home. You know, it's amazing. Did a show last summer in Charlottetown in yeah. July, full summer. Yeah. But we show up at the venue at like 6.30, it's uh, air conditioned. It's like so really cool in there. Yeah. And from and stayed there for the whole show. Got mm-hmm. ready for the show. Uh, did the show. Mingled after whatever. Had a couple drinks with the venue owner. Then we leave at like twelve thirty one o'clock, mm-hmm. and we're out in the streets. And oh my god! As soon as he opened that door and got outside, yeah, that ocean air, that yeah, like that heavy, oh, so good. That, ocean smell and taste it was like dense it was yeah. so humid because especially in pi you're on the yeah. middle like you're on this tiny island you're yeah, in the city yeah. on this tiny island, right and, and it was like yeah. and yeah that just brought me back i'm like oh there's nothing like it no there really isn't and when you sleep at a cottage that's by the ocean you sleep better like it just yeah. everything is is uh, the sound of the waves oh like, man it's beautiful it's it's uh yeah definitely it's amazing it's like a white noise kind of yeah I love going in the ocean and snorting. Like I'll I'll take a yeah. seawater in my hand <laughs> and, snort and it, it. Yeah. it just cleanses you right <laughs> yeah. out. I love it. Yeah, it, it doesn't does. hurt or anything. You'd no, think no. it would hurt. It just well, it's like a saline, right? Totally, yeah, yeah like a, a natural saline thing. Exactly, yeah. I was doing that at the in uh, Shediac, where I'm from, in the mm-hmm. um, Northumberland Strait there, and I was doing it last summer. Then I found <laughs> out the water was like contaminated with like E. coli and human oh, feces. I'm like, oh no. crap. <laughs> I wish I hadn't snorted all that know, yeah. A month later, coming out of the hospital. Yeah. yeah. Anyways, uh-huh. I digress. So then yeah. from uh, Bermuda, you go to Belleville. Yeah. You go to school. Then you go to University of Guelph. Yeah, I went to University of Guelph. Yeah. Um, I started in management economics, and then I switched to marketing in textiles with a minor in philosophy. And I never, I never completed the degree. Mm-hmm. Um, I was in a fraternity there. I worked on campus. I worked off campus. I worked at a place that's called uh, the Brass Taps, but it was originally called the Keg. And then the keg said, you can't call it the keg. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Go figure. The big keg said no. Yeah, yeah. yeah big keg says no. Little keg, no. Yeah, you're going to you're gonna have to cancel that name. So, But everybody still called it the keg. I think they even still call it the keg right. to, this, to this day. Um, but uh, it was a pretty cool time. Guelph was good. I just didn't, I wasn't focusing on the university side of things. I was more focusing on the social side. And, so were you uh, bartending at uh, the keg? I was, I was uh, doing door... I was doing bar. I ended up bartending, but I was mainly doing uh, security. Yeah, yeah. And so. you were. I mean, you are you who who you are. So of course, social yeah. people gravitate to you. And, uh, yeah, it was, so it was you must have been awesome. king shit hot a, a Guelph. Well, I was on the College of Social Science student government right off the bat. I was yeah. president in high school, so it just kind of was. Uh, you know, uh, it just went uh, in that direction. I just stayed on student council. Um, you know, we're, we sh- basically there's the main student council, and then there's the uh, college student councils where you're, it's the you know s- social science, uh, geology, geography, and all this kind of stuff. Uh, you know, into into the sciences. So every everyone has their own kind of government. Mm. And uh, yeah, it was interesting because you're sharing the uh, the spaces that basically become the green rooms of all the people that uh, play down in Peter Clark Hall, which is underneath the the university. And like I got, I was, you know, rubbing elbows with like a lot of the old uh, singers like Pursuit of Happiness and uh, 5440 and uh, mm-hmm. Tom, um, what, what's the name there? Um, 
Colin James, I think. Uh, Life is a Highway, I think is, was his song. Uh, uh, Tom yeah. Cochran? Tom Cochran, that's yeah. it, yeah. And uh, yeah, Life is a Highway. I remember meeting him and his family up there. And uh, yeah, it was, pre- it was pretty cool. Uh, Jim Rose Circus Sideshow. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. That was absolutely wow. crazy to Mr. Lifto. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Whoops. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, just some crazy people. But uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So like the social aspect of it is what uh, really kind of uh, drew me in. Unfortunately, you know, for the you know stu- studious uh, side of me, yeah. kind of was put on side uh, on the on the side. But uh, yeah, the like, fraternity life and all that. It was pretty intense. Big keg parties and did you because uh, you barely drink or anything now or do anything? Did you drink back back then? then I yeah. did. Yeah, I, yeah. I was drinking and. Uh, I, then I got into smoking uh, the the ganja. Ah, uh, the old ganja. Uh, yeah, yeah. So that that kind of took over from the drinking, and then I now I I, I have I don't do anything like I. Yeah, you're. I quit. I actually quit uh, smoking weed on February twenty six, two thousand and eight. I know the exact day wow. because we were. I was working for my uncle, and uh, we were going down to do some um, tests uh, at a big wind tunnel, in just up north of Detroit. I think it was Stewart, Michigan, was the name of the place. It was a GM wind tunnel. And I just gave it up cold turkey and that and never never turned back. And because uh, were you an all-day, everyday user, kind of wake and bake? Yeah, kind of, yeah, definitely. Yeah, wake up in the middle of the night, do a couple bongs and go back to sleep. Yeah, like, yeah, it was, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was pretty intense. So. I get that. I was at that <clears> level. Where <throat> oh, like, yeah, yeah. Like you think about it before you even wake up consciously. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. A couple steps before actually waking up, yeah. you go, oh, weed. And then yeah, yeah, I know. <laughs> gets you out of bed. Great. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah. you were able to quit turkey, no uh, Quit cold turkey, no problem. Well, first of all, I went down to the states where you know they probably chop your hand off, yeah. you know, or throw you right in jail if you get caught with the joint. So yeah, class it, it was really easy, and I was down there for like three months, so it was right. It was perfect. We started in uh, Detroit, and then we went down to Baltimore, and we were doing tests right on the marina in Baltimore. That was with a, a company called Magen.com. My uncle was the founder and, and president of that, and. Uh, yeah, that was uh, was a really cool experience. So we were being filmed by uh, um, Discovery Channel. And right. We ended up on a series called uh, Project Earth. Kevin O'Leary was actually one of the hosts. No way. Yeah, so I got to meet him and sit down and have dinner across from him a couple times. He's actually, an. I mean, yeah, he was running for the Conservative Party and all that, and people, you know, basically drag anybody that goes into politics through all sorts of different kinds of mud, depending on for where sure. you are. So, but he was actually a very... Uh, hilarious guy like he was talking he loves red wine and he was sitting across from me going you know just pretending and going oh i can smell the pig farts of the of the, <laughs> of the pig farm next to the winery and stuff like that and i was just like this guy's hilarious so the guy he plays on tv <clears throat> might it's, a, it's just an enhanced character maybe it's not yeah really it is like, i mean he's he's pretty intense anyway in order to become like a, as wealthy billionaire, as he, he yeah. did yeah he uh, he had to be intense and um, but you know, like when you're sitting across the dinner table, you, you tone it down a bit. But he was just, yeah, just a funny guy and great yeah. guy. Yeah, oh, that's interesting to yeah. know. How uh, just to touch back on the weed because I'm interested yeah. in that because that's yeah, something yeah. I've always struggled with. Yeah. Um, uh, how do you? Because you live in a place now that's called Bakefield. Yeah. yeah. Known as. Because uh, you're around it and stuff, and you don't yeah. get the urge to. You're coming up on ten years. You've never had the urge to to do it again or to dabble. No, I just uh, I just decided that uh, that was it. Yeah, I, yeah. I just uh, because like I, I I did quit at one point um, when I was when it was uh, living in Ottawa, and it was a time when um, Cheryl Crow played at uh, the Blues Fest and when it was downtown. And I remember 
um, that day I smoked a joint. I was standing in the middle of the freaking crowd and, and, and like paranoid as hell because I hadn't smoked and I was just stoned right out of my tree in the middle of this huge crowd of people <laughs> all of a sudden watching Cheryl Crow. Yeah. I was like, holy crap. But that was like the first time I'd smoked in about six months. Yeah. And uh, then I, then I, so what happened there is, you know, it starts with the joint and then a couple of joints and then you're on the bong and all of a sudden you're smoking all day again. So yeah, it happens I just, quick. Yeah. I just decided that, you know what, I'm not going to play with that anymore. I don't want to smoke all day anymore. Yeah. And uh, so I just don't do it. Right. And yeah. I'm around a lot of people that do. And uh, I think, you know, there's various different levels of uh, control that people have, uh, willpower, um, and there's all those levels here in Wakefield. There's people that are just totally chronic, and then there's people that are that just smoke it now and then. Yeah. Um, so I think it's just trying to find that happy medium. Yeah, um, for sure. It's like anything else. Yeah, yeah. and and it's it's expensive. So people that tend to smoke a lot tend to not drink. Right. Because you know, unless you're friggin' loaded, you know, like you're. you're uh, um, but I mean, now with it becoming illegal, it's actually gotten really cheap for people that have the card. Mm-hmm. Um, there's like, they basically base it on your income, how much you pay. Oh, so that people right? that, uh, yeah, people that don't have a big income, uh, you know, can get some really cheap <laughs> deals on it. So it, it becomes affordable at that point. I didn't know that. It's a sliding scale. Yeah. It's sliding oh. scale based on your income. Mm. It's Com- like compassionate prices. They call right. them. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's like one of those things like. Um, cause it, for me, it's a productivity killer. So if I had a sliding scale, I would mm-hmm. never get past, like I would never, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. get the ambition to ever make any more money, especially I'm getting all this cheap uh, yeah. weed. I'm like, oh, yeah, bad, I I'm know, good. I know, I know. <laughs> what brought you to Ottawa? Um, yeah, so Ottawa, <clears throat> I just, uh, my family's been uh, in this area for, uh, you know, about a century, really. Yeah, because your grandparents even more in uh, were in Chelsea, right? Yeah, Adelaide my well, yeah, my grandparents on my mom's side were in Chelsea. Um, Great grandparents basically bought that property in 1931. Yeah, um, as a cottage, and then by the 60s, it became like the family home kind of thing for my grandparents, my mom, and her uh, her two sisters and brother lived there, and kind of you know went out from there. Uh, so yeah, so, and then my, my dad's side, my, <clears throat> my great grandfather was a, a Supreme Court judge. It was kind of like uh, the opposite end of the spectrum. My mom's, my great grandfather, my mom's <clears throat> moved, uh, from, uh, uh, from Germany, emigrated, I guess they call it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, then ended up working at the, uh, at the, uh, experimental farms as, uh, Canada's chief botanist. Right at the same time as my other grandfather was the, like one of the Supreme Court judges, um, uh, like one of the nine most kind of perceptive people in Canada. And uh, so it was really interesting. Like with that, of course, you know, he was, you know, rich and uh, he married a Manhattan socialite. Um, that, and then that side goes back to Samuel Morse, the Morse Code. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Yeah, like one of the fathers of, commu- of modern communication, basically. Um, which, which like being in Newfoundland last, uh, uh, month, uh, they, the signal Hill in Newfoundland, uh, they sent Marconi sent a signal over to England. Um, I believe it was a letter S or it was, it was one letter. Yeah. It was S like a, like an SOS is like, so he was like over and over going, and finally over in England, they, they captured the signal over through the air. Um, so that was the first uh, intercontinental, uh, um, not intercontinental, but, uh, you know, g- uh, cross-ocean. Overseas. Overseas, yeah. yeah. 
um, <clears throat> a signal. So it's kind of cool seeing where the first uh, Morse code signal went across the ocean uh, being right. We had a, actually a bed and breakfast right across the, the, uh, inlet from there it was yeah. freaking it was amazing like right close to i ended up going to the eastern um tip of canada which was uh, cape uh, spear mm-hmm. um which was yeah it was pretty interesting but so it's it kind of neat like looking back you're like yeah my you know one of my ancestors basically you know um forwarded uh, communication to a level that uh <clears throat> brought it to where we are today basically so that's it's, pretty cool. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah, it's yeah. it's you can go down when you start looking at your genealogy and your mm-hmm. ancestors and stuff. It can get pretty fascinating. Yeah, it seems everybody's connected to some sort of like historical figure. Or something I like know, you look back I know, and it's like, oh I my know. god, wow. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and then so you were in Ottawa and mm-hmm. uh, that's where you started stand up. Yep. How did you get into that and and why? Well, back uh, when I was in Ottawa. Um, I was working for my uncle back in the early 90s when I was at university. I remember passing by Yuck Yucks at that time. On Albert Street. On Albert Street. And I was like, I, I was being pulled in, but I never did it. Yeah. And then, so now I'm in, in Ottawa in the early 2000s, late 90s, early 2000s. And I'm finally, I'm like, yeah, let's go and try it out. So I when did. When on an amateur night? Yeah, an amateur night. And uh, the first time I did it, actually, uh, Jennifer Grant was yeah. right, came on right after me. Right, which is really crazy because my mom's name is Jennifer Grant, <laughs> and it turns out that Jennifer Grant and my mom both have the same middle name, different spelling. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But Jennifer Lynn Grant. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the first time I ever do stand up, <laughs> you mom, know, mom my follows mom you. follows me <laughs> on stage. You know. Do you remember so, what that first set was like? It was pretty crazy. I mean, I was pretty intense, kind of like, and it was loose, and it was. Uh, it Did you prepare amazing. much? Yeah, I definitely prepared. Yeah. Uh, I didn't. I hadn't talked to a lot of comedians at that point, uh, you know, to try to figure out, you know, what what to do to prepare in that. But it was, yeah, it was pretty awesome. Like, um, it was it was fun. Um, I and uh, I stuck with it for about five years, and then I uh, kind of gravitated away. Started uh, working with my uncle, and uh, um, and that kind of just took over, and I just kind of stopped doing stand up. But I, I've always been creative. I stay. I'm with Theater Wakefield. I've been on the board now uh, since uh, 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, I produced uh, Something's Afoot in 2013, which became at that point the uh, the most uh, um, you know, attended uh, the most successful uh, production that Theatre Wakefield has ever done. And then Into the Woods is basically, I'd say, pretty much the same caliber, uh, same attendance. Uh, and uh, so it's been really fun. Like, I, I, I still use my creativity. I was uh, um, entertainment manager at Lahi for years. Uh, brought a lot of really cool music into there. And... Uh, I just like doing that. I do the I, I, I hire all the bands uh, and set up the list for a Canada Day, our mm-hmm. festivities here. For, I've done it for the last four years. And uh, Paul Hampsey actually did it prior to me. And it's a pretty good uh, event. Um, most times it gets rained out. Um, it's crazy. So we ended up moving inside this last year. There's a little bit of rain. We kept it outside with the... Uh, the I guess stage tent that was created uh, by John McAlpine and a bunch of other guys um, was uh, was much better. You could close it right up and uh, it, it kept the water off the stage, so it was it was a lot better. What's uh, what's the role of a producer when you say you produce those two plays? So what do you yep. do? Because there's directors, so, there's producers, there's, so so what's so the first thing that happens is you gotta kind of you, you form a 
group of you know like your directors your stage managers um your music director uh the producer and you kind of start having meetings and the first one of the first things how do you find those people just through recommendations or they kind of find you like uh like uh, scott uh, and eric aberdaily um who you should interview together yeah they're they're absolutely amazing uh, people and like powerful powerful people um that like uh very creative uh people um, uh, Eric works with CPAWS, um, which is an environmental, uh, um, organization that, uh, just, you know, make sure that, uh, animal rights and such are, um, concentrated upon, uh, S- Scott, uh, is a vice principal. He's worked in the, as a teacher for years. Now he's vice principal and he just like, they're just like amazing, um, forces of, uh, of theater and creativity. So to work with them is fantastic. So they wanted me to uh, produce for them. So that was my first time producing anything. So what you do is you you know you you hold auditions. You put out an audition call. You hold auditions. Um, you know, I, I organized all that, and uh, then the directors basically pick who they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then uh, I work on uh, starting to. Um, getting somebody to design the uh, the program, which uh, Zoe Lindsay actually does a lot of our designing, um, and she did she designed that one. Uh, then I get sponsorships for ads in the newspaper that will you know advertise our play, a musical, and then you get uh, sponsors for ads in the actual program. Um, you get uh, you you start uh, the publicity machine. Um, and you know you try to basically you, you do a lot of calling around all the different uh you know media outlets in, in the area um and you just try to get as much interest as you can and just uh you know create a machine yeah and we seem the same the same two um kind of groups um like i get people together to uh to build the set like the first set was like an unbelievable set. Like uh, we, I found uh, some railings at this this guy. This he's basically like a, a hoarder that lives up in Farleton on Lodial Street, and he sells. Uh, he has he basically hoards doors and windows and stuff like that. So we, I was looking for a door. So I heard about that. Went up to this guy. And he's, he doesn't speak any English. Like just, to re- I went up with uh, somebody who does speaks French as well. My Mike McGrath, and uh, we picked this door. Um, and then he had these railings from a church, these old oak rails and uh, spindle, spindles and, and railings. So we integrated that into the set. The set was like an old lodge, like an old hunting kind mm-hmm. of lodge. I had a big 11-point uh, buck on the wall that I borrowed off a buddy of mine, Pierre Malte. And uh, um, Sarah Dora did all the painting and, and Mike helped with the building and a whole bunch of other people. Yeah, like, I remember the set. It was crazy. Yeah. We saw, went to see rehearsal, I think it was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah was, that's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, so that was, uh, so I got in, that's basically a producer's role is, uh, it's, it's, it's pretty big, you yeah. know, and it's intense and, uh, um, you have to do it right. And like, as I say, those, the two teams, the core team basically from, uh, from something's afoot, uh, um, translated over to into the woods. And, uh, once again, we had a very successful run. How do you know how to do it? If you have no experience producing before, how do you do- produce your first ever? Well, you know what? Uh, Scott and Eric, uh, guided me through the right. first, the first way. And also Brenda Rooney, who's, uh, you know, been a force with the uh, theater wakeful from the start as well. I think we're in the 15th year now. How many productions um, a year at the Theatre Wakefield? We normally are doing two main stage productions, and then we have 
some, you know, we'll have the Tada Festival. We have the uh, Documentary Festival underneath mm-hmm. the umbrella. Um, they kind of run as their own kind of units. They have the people that all are always working with them. Um, so you're always doing team. stuff. Yes, and then you have one-off shows like yeah. uh, Lauren Elliott comes up and he does like a you know a monologue like one-off yeah, a yeah. comedy monologue. And uh, yeah, you know, just, Bowser and Blue came. To yeah, Bowser that and part Blue of, came. Yeah, that, that under, was us. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. So we <clears throat> just try to bring uh, entertainment to the community. Yeah. And, and is it a big deal to convert that room to like a theater? Because it's a gym normally, right? Yeah, it is. We uh, we we cre- Dave Park actually uh, created a floor for us. It's about a, th- a three, two and a half, three inch thick floor that we um, we uh, clip connect, together, cl- yeah, connect yeah. together, and uh, it uh, you know so there's no wear on the on the floor, and you can drill, you can screw things into it and right. do whatever you need to just keep on painting it black and cleaning it, whatever. Um, because you can't screw into a gym floor. We, right. we found that out with some things afoot. Actually, we never had the floor. And, oh, you didn't uh, have it at that point? A couple of screws went into the, oh, into the hardwood. Yeah, shit. so it was, you know, you just got to be careful. But I mean, it was it it didn't really need screws to go into the floor because it was such a solid set anyway. Yeah. But uh, just a couple of them just went in there. <laughs> I had house builders build the set, so, you know, they're not really paying much attention to not worrying about the floor and whatnot, just solid, uh, solidifying the set, which, uh, which was a behemoth, right? It was yeah. the set in Something's Afoot was was a character in the play. Okay, okay well, let's say like a stand-up show, like Bowser and Blue comes. It's a yeah. one-night-only performance. Yeah. It's not a huge setup. It's a stage. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll some, put down some of the flats. Right, okay. Yeah. So how many, how many hours to set up, like something like that? Oh, I mean... All day? Not, not even. I right. Because, yeah, Bowser and Blue, you just set down maybe about, uh, I don't know, 10 pieces of the floor, just clip them together, and then they'll use that section, and then whatever props and stuff they have they just set it up it's, do they have an actual stage be, or is it right on the floor it's on it's on the floor that we right. that we built uh sometimes we use the uh, like pieces of the risers yeah um to to raise it up even further um but uh yeah for the most part it's just we on the black uh stage floor that we've we've created that dave park built how so you seem you, you're you're everywhere in wakefield you're always yeah. doing stuff any sort of event, community-supported event or anything, you're there. So what brought you to Wakefield? How, how did you make the move from Ottawa to Wakefield? Well, it was uh, just uh, my, my, you know, my, my family's been uh, traipsing around these areas yeah. for, since the 1930s. So you just, just rent a spot when you first came, fell in love yeah. with it, never left? Yep. I just uh, came up, um, geez, when in 2006, yeah, I rented a spot right right across the river from the police station on uh, Chemin de la Rivière. Yeah. And uh, from there, I moved over to Alcove, and now I live up on uh, McLaren, which is uh, um, Elvis Cross's uh, farm. I remember your your place off uh, La Rivière. Yeah, remember, yeah. Because yeah. I remember walking out in the winter, and then you can see the lights in Vorlage. Like, yeah, oh, yeah. I yeah. was like, where it's are amazing. we? This is amazing. Yeah, I know. The, just the picture window. Like, That's right. They, they built the house perfectly, so Vorlage was like the uh, the whole window. It was, it was pretty awesome. Yeah. Pretty awesome spot. And um, now you're sort of dabbling back into stand-up. Yeah. You're hosting uh, at the Black Sheep Inn every... Yeah, hosting uh, every couple of months kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, I think the next one's in uh, October. I, f- I forget the, act- the exact date. Like maybe the 17th or the, somewhere in the 17th to 20th kind of area. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, it's been fun. Uh, we've done three shows thus far. The third show we did on... Uh, on St. Jean Baptiste weekend, so it was not well attended. Right. Um, so we're 
uh, but the first two were fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Just uh, we, you know, we decided to put it on on a night that um, wasn't uh, wasn't a good one, but it was still it was for the night. It was the best attended one that Paul Symes has ever had. How are you that, finding it night. hosting and and because a lot of people will be repeat people, right? So do you find yeah. that you have to do different material every time? And um, well, so. what I'm what I'm doing now is I'm not going to do much material or if any, I'm just going to host it and I'll have uh, somebody uh, MC it. And then do the do the rest because like honestly like uh, with the job that I'm working at now uh, for Water Rotor Energy Technologies I, uh, I it's taken up all my time like I I have to keep my brain on that so mm -hmm. I don't have a lot of spare time to basically sit there and think about funny things um, I you know I'm I'm just I'm hilarious anyway but uh, <laughs> you know I just don't have time to actually sit down and uh, and put things together like that so I just want to basically act as a host role now right. Do you, do you still and do some of the original bits? Like, yes, what's yeah, up? How yeah, long is yeah, it? Yeah, who put yeah, it up there? Yeah, who put it up there? Yeah, How exactly. long has it been there? Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I haven't done that. <laughs> but uh, that's how I should, I, I should actually do that in the next one. What's up? How long has it been up there? Who put it up there? <laughs> and how can we get that guy to bring it back down here? How? Yeah, yeah, it's just silly shit like and that. And you smoked like, pot when you wrote those bits, I'm thinking. Yeah, I, <laughs> I was definitely chronic when I when I wrote all that. Um, and yeah, it was it was some pretty crazy, like the the sneakers and uh, yeah. I'm talking about one air mile, like I. I You're got, like the Michael Winslow of um, yeah. Gatineau Hills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Sound effects. Yeah. Oh yeah, the one air mile. Yeah, the one air How mile. How did that go again? That was the one air mile happened because I signed up for an air mile card, and then uh, New Year, I went to visit my buddy Al in uh, Picton um, for New Year's, and so I stopped at the liquor store and I bought ten cans of Caffrey's ale. And one bottle of uh, 126er of uh, Red Label, mm -hmm. which is just an awful scotch. I would recommend <laughs> anybody buy that or use that in any form at all. And actually, you could use it to like, light your fireplace or yeah. something. It's awful scotch. I, yeah, get anyway, rid of your weeds and your yeah. Lawn. It's <laughs> like holy crap, that's that's bad stuff. But uh, anyway, so I bought that, and then uh, when I bought it, they said, "Do you have an air mile card?" And I'd had the air mile card for like three months, and I think that at that point. Shell gas stations asked you for it, and the liquor store. So, liquor store asks asked me for it. I'm like, oh yeah, I think I got an air mile card. So I pull it out, give them my air mile card. It was the first time I'd used it. Um, and then about three months later, I get the quarterly statement, <laughs> and on the statement is one air mile. <laughs> so I was like, and I'm doing comedy. So I was like, oh god, I got to use this. <laughs> I have got to use this in my comedy. So I'm like. I bring it out. I bring that quarterly statement with me and pull it out of my pocket while I'm doing comedy. I'm yeah. like, "Yes, anybody out there collect air miles?" And like, you hear like, you know, maybe one or two people yeah. in the whole audience because this is like, you know, right the early early air miles days. And uh, I go, "Okay, well, I I collect air miles, and I just got my quarterly statement." And I and I go to the guy in the front row and go, "How many air miles do I have, sir?" And put the microphone. <laughs> and he go, "One." <laughs> <laughs> So I'd be like, well, so what am I going to do with the air? Well, I got an idea. Maybe I'll go down to the Ottawa airport and cash it in. <laughs> you know, get them to take me halfway up the runway. <laughs> and then I'll have a cocktail. And then I'll use the barf bag because of the 12 cocktails I got on. Or I, I, I drank before I got on the plane because I'm friggin' scared of flying. You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever. 
you know, just just silliness, like just reality that uh, you you try to deliver it in a in a humorous way. So yeah. that's that's. And an you would bring stuff up with you, like that statement. I also yeah. saw you do the the mini ashtray thing. Yeah, the mini ashtray. Yeah, yeah. I uh, I collect ashtrays, and at the early um, time when I collected ashtrays, I used to keep a log book where um, I'd have the address of people that were sending me stuff. So I'd get, I got the ashtray box and I, I looked at the addresses and the box was literally just a cube that was basically you could hold within your, your palms, yeah. this little teeny thing. And I thought it was a pub, I thought it was a Glenfiddich pub ashtray because I had eBay searching for Glenfiddich because there wasn't, I couldn't find them easily. And so then one popped up and I was like, boom, I bought it. I didn't even read the description or anything else like that. I was like, I just bought it. It was like 12 bucks. <laughs> and uh, I think it all told it was like 15 bucks or something like that for the ashtray, including shipping. And I get it and I get this little box. I'm like, what the hell? Is this guy playing a joke on me? What the hell is he doing? So I open up the, and then uh, lo and behold, there's a friggin' dollhouse ashtray in the friggin' box. Yeah, it's uh, like the size I, of a quarter. Or yeah, like, exactly. And I was expecting it to be a full-size Glenfiddich <laughs> pub ashtray. Yeah. So I was like, uh, so again, I opened the box and there's this little thing and boom, it, it had to become comedy <laughs> yeah, yeah. because it was just too freaking funny. So that, that just came out. And, that, that's uh, a that's a theme for you. It's opening un, uh, yeah. unwell <laughs> un- underwhelming packages yeah. in the mail. Exactly. Oh, air mile statement one. <laughs> one. Oh, my ashtray. It's like the smallest mini. Thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, it's supposed to be a big pub ashtray, but it's yeah. this little teeny ashtray that's hilarious. Yeah, it's the smallest ashtray in my collection. I might add. Um, uh, you can put one butt in it, like you can just yeah. Like, you can uh, put just one little ash. Yeah, one little ash, and then it, it it and then it takes up the whole ashtray. You know, <laughs> so, yeah. and uh, so you say now, what are you up to these days? You're working. Yeah, working. is that the same uncle you keep working yep. for over the years? Yep. Like I was, down in Detroit, and then when you yeah, uh, he's he's uh he's an innovator. He's he's a he um, has really friggin' amazing ideas, and this one is uh, is a is a water rotor that basically spins with water flow. And you might think like uh, you know river um, bottlenecks into this huge megawatt uh, propeller that uh, sends out a lot that creates you know a lot of electricity. Well, this is uh, basically it's, it's not the same. Um, but it, it's an easier technology. Same premise. Util- yeah, but it utilizes slower flowing water. So you can put one of these into a river with like, say, you know, four mile an hour um, water flow and, uh, and power enough uh, energy basically to power like a bunch of houses in, in the area. So, and you can put it in streams, you can put it in canals, you can put it in mid-ocean current. A lot of people th- um, automatically go to wave energy. Um, which is tidal energy, which uh, basically you have the tide come in and then you have the tide come out. And in between, there's no energy. So it's, that's, yeah, it's friggin' fantastic energy for the time that the water's flowing in and flowing out. But what do you do for the rest of the time? So what we've done is we've uh, captured uh, energy and we did tests out at the Memorial University. That's why we're in Newfoundland at uh, the Marine Institute. Um, and they have a flume tank, which is basically a water flow tank. And we have uh, we brought a unit out there, and we were just doing tests, and uh, we found that it's very viable. Um, we are now moving on to the next level, which is getting uh, these units uh, manufactured, and then we're going to start selling them globally. 
we're also going to get, um, downsize and do a small unit that'll be about 500 watts for reg just regular people. Stick it out in if they live live on a moving water body. Mm -hmm. Just stick it out there, and you're going to have 500 watts of power that you can offset. Wow. You know, use yeah. whatever. I mean, and 500 watts is it's half a kilowatt. It's it's not huge, but it's a, um, but it's an offset, and you know your own energy that's free basically once you pay for that. Yeah, um, I wonder. I wonder because they say uh, I read this article of this guy that is. Uh, he somehow I I can't remember how he's getting his power. He got renewable power. He's completely yeah. off the grid, but he's being taxed for the power he's generating into his own home. Did you know anything oh, about that? Oh, is that right? Yeah. No, I don't. That's that seems a little ridiculous, though. Yeah, right? You know, it's like it's like the uh, the powers that be always want to have their hands and everything. Yeah, <laughs> that's an example of it right there. Yeah, it's like the uh, the control factor. So right? you traveling a lot with this gig? I uh, well the the place that I traveled to was uh, St John's Newfoundland to do the tests. We had a group mm -hmm. of people out there. Um, there, my uncle does a lot of traveling. He he's all over the map. Um, he's going to Wichita this uh, starting this week, and they're having big meetings on uh, the per people that are going to be manufacturing our units. Um, and uh, yeah, it's uh, so there's lots of travel involved. Uh, he has to go around and speak with investors and. Uh, um, potential purchasers, um, which are a lot of the purchases are governments. Um, you know, Micronesia is one of the one of the ones in the speaking of yeah. um, that are uh, going to buy lots of units for, uh, using mid-ocean current in between their islands because they have uh, they have difficulty getting electricity, um, and uh, they're almost to, to the point where they have to use uh, renewable energy to be able to you know. Uh, deliver it to all of their people uh so uh, yeah it's 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 really interesting um i will be doing a lot more traveling uh, my my focus will be on uh, sales eventually once we have a commercially viable product um right now i'm uh, i assist my uncle with whatever he needs done and uh so i, I you know technically is executive administrative assistant um but i sit there and i listen all the time and i soak everything in and I, I'm getting a really good handle of what uh, this is all about. Mm -hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see how, uh, um, you know, Hydro-Quebec and how, you know, Ontario Hydro and all that, uh, like uh, businesses like that, uh, how they accept us and how we integrate into their systems and all that. So You're not going to end up murdered now for this. No, no, definitely not. <laughs> definitely not. This is the this is the focus of the world right now is to yeah. try to get away from fossil fuel or sure. destruction of our planet. Yeah. So it's it's it's, it's timely. It's amazing. It's waterrotor.com, w a t e r o t o r.com. Uh, we get rid of that second r in rotor and just kind of join water and rotor together. Yeah, yeah, makes sense. Um, so if you want to take a look at that, uh, you know, we'll eventually be going public. So it'd be a good uh, good thing to invest in if you, oh, yeah. if you like doing that. Well, let me know when that happens. Yeah, I definitely a will. insider trade. Yeah, yeah well, <laughs> yeah. erase that bit. No. <laughs> <laughs> we'll bleep that out. And we'll just laugh. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, later on, uh, the tax people are looking to see if Julianne Dion uh, you know, invested on the first day. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the day before the first yeah, day. Yeah, the day like, before. Yeah. Just all of my Has money. Has a stock broker ready yeah. Yeah, hit the button at 9 a.m yeah yeah okay that's good okay we're good all my money's in that oh my money doubled today this is great thank you oh tripled quadrupled okay that's I can get good use of that yeah, yeah what yeah. about with uh, theater wakefield you working on anything uh, in the community 
Yeah, um, I, uh, I mean, we had uh, Tana Festival, which is still going on this weekend, uh, right. today, and then it ends today. So that was our latest one. Um, we're going to be going into a fall production. Uh, I think it starts probably around, uh, oh, I, th- I think it's in November. Uh, I'm not sure. It's probably the last last week. It's in November. Uh, it's called "What's Eating You." It's a John Hardy play about uh, about cancer, actually, and how it affects families and that. So it'll be a it it'll be an intense, heavy, heavy, yeah. Um, but it'll definitely be worth uh, going and checking out so. for sure. Yeah. Do you want to whip out the old ditch? No, I see if I can, see if I can make the that. sound here. Yeah, let's do it. I felt that inside my body. It's like you were inside me. <laughs> that was well, uh, that was awesome. How, imagine that. I used my the one called the Beast. That's the uh, that one there is uh, the one that I made. But the Beast, uh, the stringy bark eucalyptus one there last night with uh, bass drum um, microphone. It, people were coming up to me going I couldn't even like it's, it's the whole place was like vibrating th- right through everybody's soul last yeah. night when I when I was playing that it was pretty cool it was the first time I played with a, like a kind of a, a, an appropriate mic right usually it's just like a vocal mic that you just shove into the end this one was like a seriously appropriate uh, condenser mic and yeah it vibrated the entire place it was amazing yeah. actually it was totally cool like and uh, yeah people are like Everybody was coming up and saying that was amazing, which was cool. So, so it just tells you that uh, the appropriate equipment is uh, very important. Yeah, it makes all when you're trying to deliver, you know, energy to people. Basically, for sure. Yeah. What um, I noticed there's a breathing technique you do because obviously that's not yeah. all in one breath. So you're breathing in through the nose while. How the hell do you yeah. do that? Is that well, a skill you develop? It's circular breathing, and I had my didge for about a month playing, you know, uh, on and off, and then finally. You you're, you just want to keep playing, right? Yeah. So you're you just flip a switch flips in your head, and all of a sudden you're circular breathing. So what it what it basically is is you're squeeze you're puffing out your cheeks, and as you are squeezing air out with your cheek muscles, you you learn your your body just re- learns how to breathe in through your nose at the same time, and you take like a deep quick breath mm-hmm. that just regenerates the. Uh, the air in your lungs and uh yeah all of a sudden your circular breathing it was really cool when it happened 
I was just just playing, playing, and all of a sudden, boom! I was like, "Oh, I'm circular breathing. It's freaking <laughs> awesome!" <laughs> you know, like two hours later, your face feels like it's gonna fall off because yeah. you you've played for so long. Because at first, is it like when you're first doing it? Is it like cutting all the time? So it's like, yeah, 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 Well, you'd play as long as you can, and then yeah. you have to take a breath yeah. with your <laughs> mouth, you know. But uh, eventually, uh, one of the ways that they say that they say to train yourself to do it is to blow air into a, a glass with a straw, and just like, and then try to breathe in through your nose and keep it constantly going. And that's that's a, that's an easy method to try to like train trick yourself. your brain into right. doing it. Um, but it's it's just uh, apparently, and they say that uh, people that play digits uh, don't get sleep apnea because what happens is that you're tongue blocks off your uh your your air passage mm-hmm. but when that happens with somebody who plays dids they just automatically they have that you switch that, in your that sleep? breathe in through your nose <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah that's yeah, how you yeah. sleep like, yeah, like snore. Boom, 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 boom. <laughs> yeah but uh yeah it's uh yeah it's pretty crazy it's it's interesting it's Cool, brother. Well, listen, I could talk yeah, to you man. forever. Yeah, You're a very here, fascinating uh, guy, yeah. and uh, I love you. We could do we'll this. have to do another one. Yeah, we'll do another yeah, one. We'll do I mean, you've, you've, you're my most returned guest on yeah. this thing <laughs> in various awesome. forms. Yes, sir. You and Mike Mike Bennett, who does the yeah. the, the Waste of Time song and all of my jingles. Oh, cool. So yeah, he's yeah. always peppered in episodes, and so nice. are you now. now but, nice. I'm, but I'm glad we got like you know to hear your backstory yeah. a little bit and, yeah. and a little of your passions and what brought you to Wakefield. Uh, this is Wakefield Sessions, and you're kind yes, of one sir. of the anchors in this uh, town, in this uh, little place that yeah, we thanks, uh, call man. home in the Gatineau Hills. So uh, thanks for doing it, brother. Appreciate My it. My pleasure, man. Uh, we'll uh, do it again. Soon, I hope so, anyway. Uh, what do you think? Should we? Yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> just, oh, that's great. <laughs> the uh, the uh, schizophrenic baby that's just talking yeah, to himself. Yeah, and then there's this guy, too. He, he could come out and be a little crazy lunatic, too. You know, whatever. But uh, <laughs> there's so many different voices I could do. But Yeah, this one's pretty good. That one's really crazy. You know, that I can do it. Maybe one time we'll interview <laughs> baby Jeffrey. Like, we'll, we'll yeah. come up with a, we'll improv a backstory about him, like, yeah. on the spot. But it's yeah. all, like, short-term answers. So where are you yeah, going yeah, from? Yeah, yeah. From my mother, about 18 uh, months ago. I came out of my mommy's vagina. <laughs> that's the, that's what I like, is it's when it's uh, when he's vulgar. Because he yeah, has yeah, yeah. this perfect baby voice. What what the fuck are you talking about? That's just a bunch of bullshit. <laughs> I don't know. Shut up, Daddy. You're just an idiot. You're an asshole, aren't you? Yeah, you really are. The rhetorical, aren't you? Yeah, yeah. Aren't you? yeah. <laughs> you, you don't have to answer. <laughs> yeah, Thank you, brother. And uh, hey, watch, no problem, brother. Watch your head. It's such a beautiful waste of time. A waste of time. A beautiful waste of time. And there it is, another one in the books. Thanks to my guest, Jeffrey, baby Jeffrey Ferguson. Thanks to you for listening. Always remember to like the Facebook page.com slash JD Comedy Hour. Well, that was weirdly said. Like on Instagram or follow. I always say that. Follow on Instagram and Twitter at JD Comedy Hour. Email the show pod, P-O-D at JDComedyHour.com. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube and rate it and share it and comment and all that good stuff. Wakefield Sessions continues tomorrow and every day, Monday to Friday. Right here, wherever wherever it is you're listening to this from. Okay, that's it. Thanks a lot. And as always, watch your head. I'm just a thin, nervous shadow walking backwards down the street.
the land and bitter, but the following is all so sweet. It's just a waste of time, a beautiful waste of time. It's just a waste of time. Throw on your cans there. Okay. So what we what we're looking at here? We got the left hand side. We got the right hand side. What's going down today? You want to go right on right, left on left.